Hello and welcome back to the Comic Books Matter podcast. I am your host, Jesse, and with me today is a very special guest. He's Stan's Luna. He has a lot to say about destiny. He's a reporter in Central Ohio, but most importantly, he's a resident meme curator for Uppercut, Glenn Bashiel. That's, that's me. What's up? <laughs> hey, Glenn. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's always uh, a roll of the dice when someone says, do you want to talk about Star Wars? And I'm like, you probably don't want me to talk about Star Wars. And I purposely want you to talk about Star Wars today. Great. I'm here to do that. Um, so I know today you brought uh, Star Wars Jedi Redemption, right? Yeah, it's Star Wars Tales of the Jedi Redemption. It was the sort of concluding arc of the Tales of the Jedi miniseries they ran in the 90s. And so I know like a lot, not no, but I assume that the, you've read a lot of the Star Wars comics. I have, yeah. <laughs> and so first I want to know what came first, Star Wars or comic books? Um, Star Wars, I think. I think Star Wars comic books are probably my gateway into comic books. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say that's probably true. I, there was a, when I was growing up, I grew up in uh, Indiana and there was this really small card and comic shop that my dad would go to to buy Star Wars collectible trading cards. Um, of which my dad competed uh, semi-professionally. <laughs> um, Those card games, I don't know how they're played at all, ever. And so when I hear people actually play them like competitively, I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah, I grew up playing that card game with my dad. I don't think, I think maybe to this, to this day, I've beaten him like twice ever. Because uh, I, I didn't understand until I was like 20, really how to like build a deck, a trading mm -hmm. card deck. So he would just like trounce me every game because I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to put in six copies of Darth Vader. This'll, this'll get me there. And then that's not really how that game works. So, but yeah, I remember going to that comic shop uh, and car shop with him one time. And um, I don't remember what it was, it was some special occasion. It was, it might've been, I don't know. I don't know when it was, but it was in the early nineties. But uh, when my brother and I both got to pick out a comic and my brother picked out, I think the first issue of um, when Dark Horse did an adaptation of Splinter of the Mind's Eye okay. uh, by Alan Dean Forrester. Um, or Foster, sorry. And I picked out the uh, the first issue of their uh, Dark Horse's adaptation of Heir to the Empire mm -hmm. by uh, Timothy Zahn. I don't know how much you know about extended universe stuff, but... Um, um, I, I would say I know more than most, but I don't know more than the hardcore fans, for sure. Right. Uh, I know yes. the Zahn books a lot because my parents talked about them all the time, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of uh, Zana's very influential sort of bringing back Star Wars in the 90s after it had sort of, uh, there was a Marvel comic that ran from the first movie to like 86, I think. And then it it was, just, it was like just weekly stuff. Like it wasn't anything groundbreaking uh, in those comics. Like it was all pretty good, but like none of it was really where the direction the comics took after that. Because in the 90s, after they brought back Star Wars comics, they really wanted to build like a universe, like a cinematic, not cinematic universe, but like a shared universe yeah. between the movies and comics, the games and all of it. And um, Tales of the Jedi was one of the first comics they kind of started that with because they, I, as as I remember uh, reading about this uh, recently and a few years ago, they sort of went to Lucas and they said, we want to do a, a sort of history of the Jedi and the Sith. And he signed off on that and thought it was really cool and then was kind of like, you know, they would give him ideas about what if the Sith started like this and what if the Jedi were like this and he was, you know, on board with the whole thing. So they really built the, like the history part of Star Wars with this comic series, which takes place like 4,000 years before 
A New Hope. And so with how, how much of that extended lore have you dug into? <laughs> like, have you read every single one of them? Um, of the Tales of the Jedi, yes. There's a lot of comic lines. Um, and, they, and Dark Horse... Dark Horse did just such a wonderful job with uh, Star Wars, I think. They did so many adaptations of so many different books. Um, I, didn't re- I haven't read every Star, uh, Star Wars comic because a lot of them were, would be like an adaptation of a novel. Mm-hmm. I had already read the novel. So sometimes I would pick them up just for fun. Um, but it was really by the whim of like whatever my local library had because that was my main resource of comics when I was younger um, is the... the uh, the library, the local library, because I could put a bunch on hold and my, it was right by my dad's work. So he would just pick them up for me on his way home. And I would get, you know, I would just there and read every Star Wars comic I could read. And, and then I moved from Star Wars to Marvel and DC and other stuff. Yeah, I remember my local library, I remember they had every single volume of Star Wars Tales. And so oh, yeah? I, just, I read those back to back growing up as yeah. a kid. And like, I know those definitely aren't canon at all because they were already not canon to begin with. Right. But they were some of the most creative storytelling within that universe. Yeah. I think that's the thing that um, the Star Wars universe, uh, the, can- the whole canon situation is very funny. I don't know how much you know about it, but there are literal tiers of canon mm-hmm. in, uh, in the old extended universe where like this, the, at the time, six movies supersede everything underneath it. So if there's a continuity error, assume the movie is correct. Gotcha. And then there's like, underneath that is like the books, the mainline books and comics and stuff like that. And then underneath that is sort of like some other random stuff. None of it's really like, like that essential. It's more like minor contradictions. And then there's like, there's a separate canon for like the TV, for Clone Wars, um, which hadn't like been fully adapted into the like Star Wars canon yet. Mm-hmm. They did that uh, in 2014 when, um, Disney bought Star, uh, like acquired Star Wars. Clone Wars became like mainline Star Wars canon. And then uh, there was like, they were gonna do that Star Wars Detour show, and that had its own separate canon because like it was a bunch of goofy like parodies and stuff. That was the uh, Seth Green show, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And they even have. I was just reading about it earlier. There's a, a the end canon, which is non-canon stuff, and that's where you find a lot of the like Star Wars What If comics. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever read any of those. I I don't know if it falls in the what if, but I, like the one that always sticks out with me is the the one in the Tales volumes where um, Han crashes on Earth. Right, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, that one that one is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed those non-canon ones when they just kind of experimented and played around. Mm-hmm. There was one where um, I'm pretty sure it was non-canon. I yeah, it was in Star Wars Infinity or Infinite, one of those two. I should have looked this up beforehand. Um, but they did a what if Darth Maul survived um, episode one and they came back for Obi-Wan later. And then it, that, is that idea. The one where he, is that the way where he falls down like a trash chute and he has like ro- like a, a spider body? Yes. He gets, okay. he gets, he gets robot legs, uh, spider robot legs. And then at, at that comic takes place like on Tatooine when Obi-Wan's in exile and he comes to Darth Maul comes to kill Luke because he knows that like Obi-Wan's protecting someone. Mm-hmm. And so Obi-Wan, like old man Obi-Wan and Darth Maul have a duel. And then Owen Lars uh, is there also. I, I almost just spoiled how this whole thing ends. And I don't want to do that because it's a great comic. And it's it's very good. It I remember that one too. Um, and I was very pleased to see that Clone Wars uh, sort of took that idea and then really ran with it. And um, I've not watched a bunch of Clone Wars, but I've seen some of those scenes with Maul and Obi-Wan. And I think those are 
really, really good stuff. So I was glad to see that sort of like, that was because that was non-canon originally. Mm -hmm. So I was glad to see they like kind of took that and changed it and made it better and and then adapted it into proper Star Wars canon. Uh, Did you you dabble into the later Dark Horse stuff where they try to do sequel stuff? Um, Yes, I... I read Dark Horse. I've read when they did like, oh God, what was that called? Um, it was the series, the, do you mean like the Cade style? Uh, yeah, yeah, Legacy. Skywalker stuff? Legacy, that's right. Yes, yeah. I read I read all of Legacy. I, I really loved Legacy. That was- um, I have one collection in. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, I don't, I don't know how well it's aged. I loved it when I was younger and I was reading it. I was, as a teenager, I really enjoyed it. Um, just reading it for the first time a month ago i think it was it's extremely still holds up extremely well good i'm glad to hear that i i um i always thought that was a very cool idea and that was the thing i've enjoyed most about star wars canon um in terms of the continuity is the way that they especially especially with this like the way they set up the sith in these comics and then the way they would borrow on it in like knights of the old republic or in the later like Kevin J. Anderson uh, Jedi trilogy, um, or in in those uh, in the Legacy comics, they had uh, there was a a Tusken Raider Jedi whose name I'm forgetting, uh, but they like brought him back a few times, and then there's a big a big moment in Legacy that has to do with him. It's just mm-hmm. very cool, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember I remember. <laughs> I remember seeing Star. I used to get Star Wars Insider because, of course, I did. And they had a there was a big cover story about Cade Skywalker, and he was like, "Oh, he's the edgy Skywalker." And I was like, "Oh no!" But I, I ended up enjoying that character. I thought it was, it was a neat, neat version of that uh, that sort of archetype. Yeah, that and that's that might be the only thing that doesn't age well is how edgy some of the outlying stuff is. Yeah. Like your your main Sith is just covered in spikes. <laughs> Right, yeah, it's he's very. There is a style for Star Wars at that time, um, which is very funny. But it, it, it is sort of when I started like looking at Star Wars, a little bit of like uh, my head tilted. We're just like, guys, like really, like a lot of spiky dudes. Um, mm-hmm. And then even in the novels, and they brought in like uh, the Vusen Vong and everything, and they were like, oh, we're just we're like an entire species of dudes covered in spikes. And I'm like, I get it, but like come on how do you live <laughs> come on how do you lay down like yeah um okay so going back to uh jay uh redemption what made what what made you pick this uh mini series to talk about today um i think it's it's my favorite non i mean i don't know i have a lot of favorite star wars things uh people ask me all the time like oh if i wanted to look into like the legends canon or the old extended universe where would i start and i have a really hard time answering that because the great thing about the extended universe is really they kind of let people like run wild with it excuse me sorry uh they let people run wild with it and do their own thing and um and so there's certain stories that are a little bit more like like the rogue squadron books are very like oh we're kind of like tom clancy in space where it's all about like the technical specifications of a star destroyer and the you know what I mean? Like it's a bit more, it's a hard science fan, uh, science fiction. And then you read stuff like Tales of the Jedi, which is very science fantasy. Um, and I really enjoyed that sort of like mythological part of Star Wars. Um, especially like the origin of the Sith and, 
you know, everybody loves the Jedi and the Sith. It's, it's very cool. You know, like hot take, the Sith are cool. Hot take, the <laughs> Jedi are cool. You know, and like yeah, yeah. this is at a time when basically everything that everybody knew about the Jedi and the Sith was what was in the movies, what was mm-hmm. in the main three movies. So like everything now, I mean, like the sort of like view of the Jedi now is that they're a bunch of like kind of bureaucratic idiots who let bad stuff happen because they can't, they're, they're crippled by an action, you know, but like, at the time, it was like the Jedi are like space wizards, space samurai, you know. And so, seeing like the origins of them, like they don't even use lightsabers in the beginning of this series. Like, that's something they grow into. They just like mm-hmm. are there having sword fights, using the Force and stuff, and treating the Force more like a, a prime primordial thing is really interesting. That like the Jedi are tapping into, but they don't really understand it. And then the the dark Jedi are tapping into it as well, and the, the dark Jedi get exiled and they become the Sith. And then they become like a cult like it's it's very cool it's a very cool origin for that um that sort of like sect of people in star wars and I, I really enjoyed this comic line because it it lays out an origin story that at the time you know i was a kid reading these i hadn't really seen an origin story like this for the bad guys where it explains like the history of like where they started and then they moved to this planet they got uh, marooned basically on Korriban, uh, Korriban, I don't know how you want to pronounce it. Star Wars pronunciations are a whole night, a whole mess. Yeah. Um, but Tales of the Jedi I just enjoyed um, because it told this like big sweeping galactic story, but it was also centered around like a handful of characters. And I picked Redemption because it's the sort of end of this arc. And the thing with Star Wars uh, is that not a lot of characters get an ending. Mm-hmm. because they just kind of keep it's a bit like you know it's a bit like comic books where there's not really an ending to tony Stark's story because yeah. they're just going to keep bringing him back and so i know there's not really going to be a conclusion in the canon for han solo or for luke skywalker or something like that so it's cool that this book ends this series you know what i mean it's cool that they bring all of these characters arcs to an end in this book yeah and when uh when i was reading it um I, because you you told me what it was, so I, I bought them and I, I read them over the last two days. And when I was reading it, at first I was like, I feel like I'm coming in late, which makes sense because it is an end of a of kind of an age, right? But you could already feel the tension of all the characters, and it already felt like these characters had been in things before, right? And with a lot of Star Wars lore, at least for me, it feels like whenever I read something extended, even like watching some of the extended movies like uh, Rogue One or um, what's it like The Mandalorian, watching that TV right. show. None of those characters kind of feel like they've been here before. Right. But reading, just even reading these by themselves, it felt like these characters had a whole life yeah. before this. And I can feel it in the way they're talking and the way they're moving through the book. Right. And, 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 I really, and that's impressive. Yeah, I, I enjoy that aspect of it. It, it. it gives the characters like a sense of history, um, mm-hmm. which for Star Wars is, unfortunately, one of the things about like the later Star Wars books is that the characters sort of have to stay rooted as like themselves so that different authors can use them in different ways. So like sometimes the thing will happen to Luke Skywalker in one book and then well, Luke's next adventure is written by someone else and they kind of sidestep or ignore you know, the lesson that he learned at the end of that last book. So sometimes the main characters of Star Wars, like a lot of the side characters develop and have whole colorful arcs, but the main characters sometimes feel like they're a little bit stuck. But that's what I enjoyed about this book because all of the characters, 
uh, like you said, they have a sense of history and they have a sense of like, um, they, these are main characters and this is the last part of their adventure, you know? Yeah. And um, when you first read this back, um, back when you were a teenager, um, did, when you got to the end of it, I don't want to spoil anything, but when you got to the end of it and you got to that conclusion, did it, did it feel like you lost people that were close to you when you read it or was it, was it not at that level of impact yet? I, I think I, I'm trying to think of when I read this, I'm trying to think of if I read it in order with all the others, because I'm pretty sure that I read this book either. I, I think I read this, which is the sixth of the tales of the Jedi books. Um, I think I read it like either first or second, honestly, because they mm-hmm. had a whole thing where there was an audiobook version of these comics as well. Or well, it was on tape at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And my brother and I listened to it because it was Star Wars and we didn't really, it was like, it was probably like issue three of, uh, you know, volume two. And we just like listened to it. We're like, oh, these characters are cool. I don't really get what's going on here, but these characters are cool. Sure. This is a guy's a Jedi. This lady's a Jedi. Cool. Yeah. This big monster guy this like big bull monster he's a jedi too i love that like you know um and so then when i read this book i uh i love the cover art of it i think the the trade paperback cover is uh really gorgeous i think and i really enjoyed the sort of like spiritual element of it um and then when i read this book and like you said you got to the ending i i did feel that sort of like I don't it has a lot of weight in the ending and I really mm-hmm. enjoy that and it's I don't want to keep using the word spiritual but like it has that sort of like quality of like Obi-Wan and Yoda like those sort of like the way that Star Wars always leans a little bit into like mysticism and religion and stuff like that yeah and I really got that sense at the end of this book as well which I really love um and now rereading it like I was rereading it the other day before I, uh, when you asked me to do this and I was like tearing up a little bit reading <laughs> reading it which is uh very silly but because it's only it's only five issues and they don't they don't spend a lot of time establishing characters they expect you to already know them in a lot of ways right and so when i was first when i was, th- I was three issues in and i'm like am i gonna get anything it's <laughs> really because i wasn't sure. i wasn't feeling a connection and but by, that, by the time that last uh that last action piece happens in the last uh, few pages. I, I really felt devastated that what what played out played out. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting is since these came out in like the nineties and uh, into the uh, late uh, middle two thousands, it, it felt like such a kind of it's weird to say this, but it felt like such a seventies movie in a way. Yeah, sure. Where you don't get the it's back when that the time they're like it's dark period in Hollywood, and so you right. don't get the conclusions that you expect. Yeah, it's very open ended at the end. Um, you know, it just sort of has that like almost like a western or samurai movie ending yeah. where, you know, it, I mean, like <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil it, but the literal last uh, the last panel of this comic is someone just staring off into a vista. Like it's very, mm-hmm. it's very classical in that uh, in that way. Yeah, and that scavenger character is very much that kind of bumbling idiot who kind of gets the the weirdly last laugh, like in quotations and like in this story, even though he really didn't matter at all throughout the whole book. Right, he's just a guy. Yeah, um, I don't know if you ever doesn't... ever seen the movie Slow West. Uh, no. 
it, I, I will spoil that movie because I don't think anybody else will ever watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, but the whole premise of it is uh, this kid wants to find his uh, the girl that he thought he's going to marry, right? And it's a Western. Right. And it's kind of like the end of the Western. So like it's a bit more savage and more modern and still in some ways. He gets a guy to fall to help him get through the wilderness to get there. And at the end, he gets shot. She doesn't care that he's dead. Like they're in the <laughs> middle of a gunfight. He just dies and he realizes, oh, she didn't even know I existed. Right. And then the guy who led him through the path marries her and, and they get together. Right. And so it's one of those westerns where it's like, oh, the world is this it the world sucks. Right. And right. that's kind of what the Star Wars book made you feel at kind of like the end, I feel like, is like, oh, even the fake world sucks. <laughs> Yeah, and and I don't know if there's a section of this where we can sort of talk about spoilers. Uh, uh, we can I, I, I just I know you're avoiding them early on, but we can say now spoilers. Uh, well, yeah, spoilers for the end of this uh, almost twenty year old comic. But um, the way that like I've always loved the idea of just be sort of becoming one with the Force uh, when a Jedi dies. I love that um, when they do it in the movies. I, I just I think it's a really powerful idea and mm-hmm. and stuff and and the way they executed in this book about like he's a he's a character who's blinded to the force and he has no connection to it anymore but he's still part of it you mm-hmm. know what I mean like that yeah. is a, a beautiful idea to me that he can not have any connection to the force but like she says in the last part he has the heart of a Jedi which is um I think really lovely and uh really beautiful yeah, it's kind of like if you, even if you're done with the force, the force is probably not done with you. Right, right. Yeah, and and it's 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 such a bittersweet ending, but it, in the end, it is technically sweet because he it, he got te- the redemption. Like that's the point of the book. It's the redemption. It's not redemption of just him. It's redemption of a lot of characters. But right, he he got the redemption he deserved. He wanted, and he also at the same time kind of got the punishment he deserved. And it's right. a weird balance there. Yeah. Yeah. And the other books uh, do establish him as like, I mean, there are a few people, there are a few characters in Star Wars that fall harder to the dark side than, uh, than Ulick does. Cause like, he just goes like, <laughs> um, the, the comics where he is like full tilt, Dark Lord of the Sith, Dark Lord of the Sith are like very brutal. And he's just like killing people left and right. He kills his own brother, like they mentioned in this book. And, and that's a sort of like, returning back to like coming to his senses moment is after he kills his brother he's like stricken with grief about it um but yeah and i thought that was it was cool of them to do a, a, i mean redemption arcs are not an uncommon thing in star wars yeah um i mean the, the original, butter. yeah the original trilogy is just one long redemption arc or the original six movies for that matter are just one long redemption arc yeah or uh for anakin skywalker and so seeing it play out sort of a lot faster and and in this in a different way is um i think really sweet and i enjoy it a lot and so after after you read this growing up like how do you think this book in any way maybe influenced you as a person uh it influenced me a lot i think that um the idea that like you can make mistakes but as long as that as long as at a certain point you like move past those mistakes and commit to doing better and always commit and, and commit to like helping other people and living for finding a reason to live and not just give up because you're wallowing in your own guilt. Um, as someone with an overactive guilt complex, uh, I relate to that very much. So um, that idea of like, there's always a way to redeem yourself and there's always a way to help someone else. 
um, I think is really powerful. And, and that's something that I've carried with me uh, into adulthood. Um, thinking back on like when I was a teenager and whatever, and just like, oh, I, you know, I wish I'd handled this better. Or I wish I'd handled this relationship with this person better. And just thinking and focusing on the future and focusing on, you know, it's not too late. I can, I can always do better. I can take what I learned from that and make sure that I don't make that same mistake and hurt someone else again, you know? Yeah. And that, I think that's uh, something huge that I always find it fascinating that comic books in weird ways teach us basic human emotions, but they <laughs> present it to us in such a good right. way though. And such a compelling right. way that they stick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh. that was, this was definitely one of those comics for me. A very like seminal comic for me growing up. I thought I've, I, I, when you asked me to be on the show, there was no other comic I even thought about for a second. It's, this comic is like on a deep personal level, one of my favorites. And, and that to me is like the point of this is like to find those core books that really just stick with you and um, either shake you to your core creatively, like I've talked to other people about, but emotionally is really what's important to me, like too, is because I want to see the change that these books can bring to people. And it's really cool to hear all of this through, uh, through just uh, a small five part series of Star Wars. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is a character that like, if you walk up to 99% of Star Wars fans, um, they're probably not even going to know him. And that's, <laughs> and, then, then that, and that's cool. I think that's great. Like, because Star Wars is so many different things to so many different people. I think that's the power of having such a big universe like that. Um, you know, there's always something out there for you uh, if you like Star Wars. And I think that's cool. Um, and so this sort of like really meditative uh, comic and uh, I, I just really enjoyed this comic a lot. And Kevin J. Anderson, who wrote this comic, also wrote one of my favorite Star Wars trilogies, the, uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy who has a um, very similar sort of like um, z- z- more Zen spiritual take on the force and stuff like that. So does that have any connection to the video game? Uh, to which video game? The Jedi Academy one. Oh no. Oh, well, they both are like Luke runs a Jedi Academy. That's pretty oh. much it. Oh. Um, that's the setup for the game and also the setup for uh, the book. <laughs> but um, the book series is interesting because this was like, those books came out right after these comics finished, right? So mm-hmm. it was very much like Kevin J. And- Anderson set up a, a Sith Lord, Exar Kun, who disappears at the end of the, Sith, the Great Sith War, which is like the conflict uh, just before this book starts, um, 10 years at before this book starts. He just like vanishes off in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, I'm sorry, they, they track him to Yavin 4 and they kill him. I, I, I was confusing him with someone else. Uh, okay. They track him to so many Sith Lords, too many Sith Lords. Um, they How track can you do with all these Sith Lords? <laughs> I can't hold all these Sith Lords. Uh, they track him to Yavin 4 uh, and Ulick sends him there and he tells them where he's going to be hiding and they quote unquote kill him. Um, but what I liked about that character is he's like this very like manipulative Sith dude. He like dies quote unquote mm-hmm. on Yavin 4 but then Kevin J. Anderson brought him back in the Jedi Academy trilogy to be the like villain of that trilogy because he's like just dwelling on this temple like hidden in the middle of the jungle on Yavin 4 and he's like corrupting some of Luke's students to the dark side and so reading this comic and then reading that book I was like oh my god it's that guy like (laughs) 
everything's um, connected. Everything's connected. Yeah. Uh, it's just, so it's very cool. And obviously they're borrowing that from, and that's just part of like setting up a continuity, you know, yeah. and I really appreciated um, how I really appreciated the commitment to continuity that Star Wars had for a, a really long time. They like literally would talk about how they have people who, who read everything, who consume everything and who, who sort of sign off yes or no on like, can I bring this character in? Or like, what if I, you know, blew up this ship? Would that be, would that impact these other stories? Or who's, who's this character I can use? Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to move on then now to some questions. Just some random okay. questions. Uh, first one is what, uh, what's one aspect of Star Wars that you would like to see explored in comics more? Um, well, I have not really read, I read the first sort of run of Marvel's um, uh, take on Star Wars. And it, I, I don't know, I have sort of like that, it's sort of that thing where you learn a foreign language yeah, and then you learn another foreign language and the two have a hard time dwelling at the same time in your brain. Yeah, I get that. Um, I, I learned German in high school and then my college wouldn't accept German as a foreign language, so I had to learn Spanish. And now I can speak neither because they're so intermixed in my brain because, and I just, it's, it's basically useless to me now. Um, so it's a bit like reading the new canon of Star Wars for me is kind of like that. Cause I'm like, I, I will see like, Oh, it's this story set here. And I'm like, that's not what Luke Skywalker is doing during that time. <laughs> or like that's not, Darth Vader wouldn't do that, but like, this is the new canon. So yes, Darth Vader would do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, let's say like, let's say it's still the dark, dark horse universe. All those books are still around, but like, is there a section of the universe that you wish was ex- just deep dabbed a little bit deeper? Um, I would love to say, I would love to give an answer to that, but I think the great thing about, comics and setting stories outside of the main focus of a story like star wars is that you can always be surprised um Mm -hmm. so i don't know what i would say is like i really would love to see this comic um because honestly i just want to be surprised again like i didn't know anything about this book when i picked it up like i didn't know who this jedi on the cover was or anything like that so honestly i mean i should get back into reading star wars comics anyway i hear they're um, good yeah i'm sure um I'm I'm sure the work they've done is uh, really good. It's just, it's hard in my brain to like, like I said, it's just hard to have these sort of two overriding, like... Yeah, competing... Uh, <laughs> competing continuities, yeah. Trust me, as someone who, whose big fandom is DC who reboots continuities, so you're <laughs> trying to mesh them together. I get it. Right, right. Yeah, um, absolutely. So another question is, who do you think is the most underrated character in Star Wars right now? Right now? Uh, canon or not canon? uh you one one of each one of each uh underrated character in um underrated character in the old canon i'd say i think a character like uh wedge antilles is great he has this whole series of books um he's fantastic in those as like the sort of uh squad leader for rogue squadron and um and and i enjoyed those books a lot i also enjoy like um I honestly just enjoyed like all of the the sort of Jedi characters that Luke meets and trains throughout those books. Um, but what I, what I really, I guess, one of my favorite things about old Star Wars continuity would be that they would set up a character in one person's book and then bring them back several times. Yeah. And they brought back this one Imperial commander so many times that basically by the end of his sort of like arc, he's like practically a good guy. Um, Admiral Pellion, who... Or, I, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it, Pelion. He's like uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, second in command. 
Mm-hmm. So we introduce him in those books and and then he endures throughout and he like sort of is one of the imperial leaders after that. And I just enjoy the way they bring him back and and he's always kind of like this like gruff military leader who's just kind of very tired of being at war with the uh, New Republic to the point that basically at the end he's just kind of helping them and he's like they have a mutual respect for each other which I thought was cool. Uh, in the new canon now I uh i don't know because i need to watch clone wars i guess everybody tells me every five seconds when i talk about star wars that i should watch clone wars yeah there's a ton of characters i don't know just because i haven't seen clone wars or rebels right well that's that was the funny thing about when i got rid of the star wars canon it was like i hadn't i hadn't watched clone wars because i didn't have i don't think i had the network that it was on Mm -hmm. uh when i was in high school so i was like oh catch up eventually when it's on dvd or something and then they were like all right we bought disney bought star wars and I was like, well, don't have to worry about Clone Wars anymore. And they're like, but we're keeping Clone Wars. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, so I need to go back and do that. And, and I know it's funny because they brought back, they had all these characters who were in the old continuity. And the old continuity and Clone Wars existed together. Yeah. But now the continuity for the comics is gone. So characters like Asajj Ventress like, is just in the show now without a bunch of her backstory because the, her backstory was in the comics. But I'm sure they probably, I'm sure they've accounted for that. I'm sure they've like filled in her backstory and stuff like that. I think she's cool. I think Count Dooku is really cool. I think yeah. the the Dark Jedi stuff they did in the Clone Wars, um, both in the novels and in the comics. And I, I take it they've done it in the show because I, I see stuff. I see some quit on Twitter all the time. Um, seems really cool. Uh, I, I was, that was my biggest frustration with um, the movies. One of the, my biggest frustrations with the prequels that they established the rule of two was like a hard and fast rule. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, oh, but like, if so you could do so much more with more than two bad guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they, they even like get rid of it and they don't care. Cause Count Duke was just like raising a school of dark Jedi at a certain point and everybody's cool with it. And it's just like, okay, like, why did we even bother with this whole thing then? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we all know secretly Count Dooku was probably a good guy. <laughs> That's this is an interesting take. Go on. <laughs> Although I, I, there there was something I can't remember what podcast. I want to say it's probably the Rooster Teeth one at some point where Bernie goes. Count Dooku was the only one in episode two that knew what was going on. Right. Yeah. Like, you're working with the bad guy. You know that, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, um, Count. I saw a great image the other day about Count Dooku. Like, it's a section of the novelization of Revenge of the Sith about how like all of his plans and all of his like victories and struggles have all been leading up to this moment where he's going to be Anakin Skywalker's first murder mm-hmm. and like you see that in his face right before Anakin kills him and I think that's a, a great moment yeah for a character they they do a really great job of fleshing Dooku out and all the books and all the uh, comics and stuff like that as being a sort of really sinister Machiavellian type character who's always scheming who's always like got got another plan in motion yeah uh, and I really enjoy that and talking about the rule of two and having random characters out of canon into canon, like I understand like the rule of two, like it's a bad that's a bad lore thing in a lot of ways. But the way they they establish it in the novelizations, because that's the only trilogy I've read all the way through is the Darth Bane trilogy, right? And that's a really good trilogy. It's like extremely yes. like I thought it was extremely good. I've read those, and um, and then I'm like, oh, that's not canon anymore, I guess. But then Darth Bane's just in Clone Wars as a ghost. And I'm like, right. okay, so is he? <laughs> is he right. canon? You see what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, because that, that was a character from the canon at the time 
but now he's not canon, but he is now sort of canon because of Clone Wars. It's a whole mess. I should watch Clone Wars. Yeah, I, should, um, I need to get back to it. I watched like the half of the first episode. <laughs> but I think the funny thing about the Sith, I always enjoyed the Sith more when they were like a bit like uh, the Shogunate, where it'd be like, uh, I am the Dark Lord of the Sith. And then there's some other dude who's like, no, I'm Dark Lord of the Sith. And they each have their own little like factions of the Sith. They were like, I am all about like ritual sacrifice and brutal murder. And this guy's like, I'm about dark side rituals and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I enjoyed the sort of like anybody can be a dark Lord of the Sith. And that's why it doesn't really mean anything. Um, uh, The Knights of the Old Republic games do such a great job with like the Sith as a concept. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's not, I mean, they, they do the whole, it's like a whole organization later on, but like the way they sort of, sort of show up and it's like at a certain point, there's, it doesn't mean anything. It's sort of like based on a true story. Like it doesn't actually mean anything. I'm a, I'm a dark Lord of the Sith. Like, yeah. What does that mean? What did you do? What are your qualifications? Um, Who did you murder? Well, I know right. one yet, but I feel yeah. dark. I'm getting there, you know, like, yeah. The way KOTOR, uh, KOTOR 2, especially, it just brings up like four or five people and they're like, these are all dark Lords of the Sith and they all hate each other. It's like, great. Like I enjoy that. KOTOR 2 is awesome. That's the best one. Let's go. <laughs> um, it is kind of interesting though because you're talking about building canon and for some yeah. legal reason the character uh, Vima who's in this novel the girl that uh, Ulick trains mm-hmm. was supposed to be the like main Jedi character in Knights of the Old Republic huh. like Knights of the Old Republic is supposed to be a direct continuation of Tales of the Jedi which makes sense because like, I, I know there's a Knights comic series that takes place right. afterwards right and there's um, they go to Korriban and it looks just like it does in these comics with like the sort of like uh, Valley of the Pharaohs thing where there's like heads of all the Sith Lords. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's awesome. Stuff like that, I love it. It's so cheesy and kind of corny and played out at this point. But I just love the like, I'm a Sith Lord. I'm going to carve my head in this giant canyon and have a big tomb when I die. You know, like, I think it's cool. But um, yeah, they, they you go there in uh, Knights of the Republic 2 and uh, Vima Sunrider was supposed to be the Bastila Shan character in Knights of the Republic. But hmm. for some reason, they lost the name Sun- Sunrider through some... I, I was looking it up the other day and I, I no one knows. It just says like, the wiki, the wiki, the Wikipedia entry just says like, legal reasons that no one understands or something like that. And I'm like, all right. Files are incomplete. Yeah, files. <laughs> it's not in our archive. Um, well, speaking of canon, my last question was, what do you want brought back into it, into the main canon? I mean, that's such a loaded question because, like, I want all of it, but I don't want all of it, obviously. I you want, get one. I, want, I get one. I want, um, I guess I want people to go on the same journey with Star Wars that I went on, mm-hmm. which is uh, a, a really great thing that I do see constantly. People really in love with Clone Wars and really loving Rebels and the comics and the new novels they're putting out. Um, so, like, I would love to see some of the, like, really great surprises from the old extended universe brought back and reinterpreted the way they've done with Darth Maul and the way they did with like um, Darth Bane or um, I just had another great example. They had Thrawn Thrawn with the... Right, yeah, with Grand Admiral Thrawn, right. Um, I think Grand Admiral Thrawn is a mismatch for that sort of like time in the show. Um, It is weird. It's because Thrawn exists as like oh my god, I have a whole Star Wars rant. No, but it's like Thrawn's kind of like a, a, a Vader substitute. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, he's a um, the way the sort of geopolitical landscape after Return of the Jedi is that the New Republic is like 
trying to conglomerate all these systems together, all the old empire systems, but they can't do it because there's like a zillion of them. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly all these systems that were before controlled by the emperor need a government and the renewed Republic is doing a really bad job because they're so bureaucratic and they want to like, they're going so slow. Excuse me. Going, they're going so slow in rebuilding a, um, a working government and a working Republican Senate that like the empire remnant, the Imperial remnant is just out there like controlling systems, but no one on the, no one in the empire can get their act together and rally around anyone because everyone, every, every Imperial warlord has like three star destroyers. And if they Mm -hmm. all came together, they could blow up the new Republic, but they won't because they can't, they can't agree on anything. So that was, that was why Thrawn was an interesting character because Thrawn was a character that all the Imperials could rally behind. And that's why he was a threat to the new Republic. Mm -hmm. Um, but placing Thrawn as in like a rebel's timeline is interesting because like Vader and the Emperor are also still there, mm-hmm. so he's just sort of like a very cunning like military commander, yeah, he's which just is like cool. Chief strategist, right? I've seen I've seen the clips and I've watched um like chunks of those episodes because my brother was like a huge my brother loves Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm-hmm. He's like his favorite Star Wars character, and he's like gotta watch these clips. And so he sent me some scenes, and I really love what they did. Uh, I really like that interpretation of the character. Um, I'm trying to think of another. I would. I would love to see. Um, I would love to see some of that hit the sort of history stuff. Mm-hmm. Star Wars get brought back. I know the Clone Wars has a lot of really good like Dark Jedi Sith stuff, and I would really love to see like maybe a handful of these like random Sith lords show back up, in the same way they do in the uh, Jedi Search um, books, where like I don't know some character from. Um, is Clone Wars over? Clone Wars is over, right? It just ended. Yeah. It just ended. Okay. Well, then not Clone Wars, but whatever they do next, I would love to see, um, you know, just someone stumble on some ancient Sith dude who's like, just been biding his tie in a, in a temple, hibernating for a th- for four thousand years, waiting for his revenge. I guess they kind of just did that with Rise of Skywalker, so that plot yeah, kind of played out. But they, I guess they did it. I guess, I guess you would say they did that. I guess I would actually really like to see um, a cool and like, I would really like to see a good fall to the dark side, the way that a lot of the comics and a lot of the books did with different characters. Um, Because in the movies, the way it is, is like, I think the movies do a good job of it. You know, Anakin like turns the dark side out of selfish reasons because he's like afraid of losing Padme and everything. But I would love to see it. I would love to see like a little more of the like temptation of the dark side. Like you see in these books where the dark side is like a, a sort of eldritch thing where mm-hmm. no one can comprehend it fully and everyone's tapping into different parts of it, but they don't ever really understand all of it. And I think that yeah. is an interesting concept that I would love to see someone explore in a book or a comic or uh, a miniseries or something. I don't want to set you off with another tangent, but <laughs> cause I know, I know this might, um, but in last Jedi, um the like the pit right the the idea of the pit the eldritch pit right that represented the the sith and the dark side of the forest like that that symbolism of what the the evil is yeah um, i think is super fascinating yeah i love and, that i sorry go ahead oh and i would just love to see kind of like a version of that where you can feel the the dark side tempting people and making them hallucinate and like just shifting their personality because we see that with Anakin in the movies, but it's not very visual. It's very tonal, the way right. he acts. Right. Yeah, the, the Anakin's fall to the dark side uh, is one of those things where it's so frustrating because they, they do so many notes of it right, 
but mm-hmm. then they use some notes not so right. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would love to see uh, something like that. Because like you said, like that with the pit thing, because Ray is searching for her answer, answers about her parents and she's fixated on it. And like that insecurity is exactly like what the dark side as like a concept feeds on that mm-hmm. like fear and insecurity. And I really like that. I think that scene is so well executed the way that Ray like loses herself in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's probably like one of my favorite parts of The Last Jedi. Um, I think that's so cool. And I would absolutely love to see that interpretation of the dark side again, rather than just like, ah, we're <laughs> evil. You know what I mean? Like, we're bad guys. <laughs> right. Because I, I just, I it doesn't, it never seems like in the movies there's ever really a good reason to join the dark side. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like the you, Emperor you, succeeded for a while. But like, you get ugly. You, nobody likes you. Nobody likes hanging out with you. You know I'm what I mean? Sure you like, stop showering because everybody looks like they do. Yeah, but that's what the robes are cut there to cover up, you know. But I, I, I would like to see that sort of like the gray shades of the force, and I, I, I did like the, the last that I sort of set that idea in people's heads, like yeah. the force as like a bigger concept than just black and white. Um, there's a bunch of really wild stuff in the old extended universe that has like there's like these wizards not wizards lizards there are these lizards that are also force sensitive monks mm. that fly around the galaxy and they don't believe in the light side and they don't believe in the light side or the dark side they just believe in the in the force as like a gray which is like and they show up like twice ever and they're never brought up again <laughs> but the idea of like a gray area in the force is really interesting um yeah which it's I think super fascinating i have seen i i know enough about star wars canon to know that that is something they're exploring currently with because i've seen that's a concept they're doing with ahsoka where she's like i'm not a jedi but i'm someone who uses the force i think that's like really cool um the scenes i've seen of her in rebels where she has like a white lightsaber Mm. is incredible and i absolutely loved that i like i got chills the first time i saw it again having no connection to um having no connection to the rebels or clone wars and knowing nothing about either of these characters, but the duel that she has with Darth Vader in rebels is like, mm-hmm. I was watching it and it was like that. It was like that feeling I got when I was reading these comics of like, Oh my God. Like this is like, I was like literally getting chills watching it. Cause it was so like intense and cool and uh, like symbolic and metaphorical and meditative and like all my favorite things about lightsaber fights, like the, that fight has, you know what I mean? Like, I love when lightsaber fights are used as more of an extension of the two characters' wills and their yeah. personalities and than and, it is, uh, yeah. than it is just like flashy or swinging lightsabers at each other, you know? Yeah, for sure. And like last part about like symbolism and things, I always think about Last Jedi when it comes to Luke's robes in a lot of ways, right? Because like at the beginning of uh the original trilogy he's in all white and, at, right. and that's when that's when he's closest to i think the light side of being a jedi because he's so yeah. pure and at the end he's all, all black because i think that's the closest we ever see him get to the dark side because he's about to kill his father right and then when you we see him in last jedi he's gray because he realizes like nothing nothing is equal there's no such thing as an equal right. side. I what i loved awesome. sorry i keep interrupting no, you I you're apologize. fine um, well, what I loved about Luke in Return of the Jedi is that he has the black robes throughout the whole movie um, until he has that, like, he wears the black robes, he looks really cool, and he has this whole fight with Vader and the Emperor. But then afterwards, like, when he's carrying Vader to the shuttle um, before the, as the second Death Star is blowing up, 
you can see that like part of his like tunic is like falling falling off a bit mm-hmm. and it's all white underneath because he's like beaten that temptation do you know what i mean like yeah yeah for sure i love that it's like return of the jedi is my favorite star wars movie don't at me it's awesome uh, i love I'm it not so gonna much fight you on that. um i think the luke vader i mean like people have problems with that movie that's fine you don't have to love every everybody does not have to agree on star wars but like the luke vader emperor stuff in that movie is like my favorite star wars stuff um the conversations about the force are my favorite like star wars things ever you know what i mean like yoda star wars for me is more about yoda pulling the ship out of the swamp yeah than it is about like the death star blowing up mm-hmm. i mean i love it all but like i love the the spiritual moments about like finding finding the strength in yourself to do something um and i really love that something they've set up too with the last jedi where about how you know anyone can be a jedi it does not you don't have to be just like in the right family mm-hmm. um and i love that i would love to see more of that of more of people uh as the, as the canon goes forward i would love to see more people finding the force within themselves you know and and like making something with that and and stuff yeah i, I agree because i like th- those are to me those are the most fun stories when uh the characters are wholly their own they're not in, they're not embodied to a, a legacy of sorts like that's why i kind of breathed right. a sigh of relief when i saw the end credits of uh rise of skywalker because because in, inside of me not that the movie i thought the movie was like terrible or anything but like inside of me i'm like we're w- w- there's a good chance now whatever comes right. next is going to be fresh. Like there's not, there's right. no, there's no legacy attached now. Yeah, definitely. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what that becomes. Yeah. I, I, I'm in like such a weird place at Star Wars because I love so much of it and I don't like so much of it. And I'm like very mixed on a lot of it. And I don't like, I, there's just like so much of it now because I like, after they sort of like blew up the cannon, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to really get into like, I just had a hard time getting it back into the second continuity of it. Like mm-hmm. we kind of already talked about, but I don't know. The more I've seen people talk about Clone Wars and seen clips from Clone Wars, I'm like, man, maybe they do get it. Like, um, watching a little bit of The Mandalorian, which I should get it back around to finishing now that I have nothing but time. Um, yeah, I, I really I am hopeful for the direction that Star Wars goes with the mm-hmm. right, if they have the right people at its head and they can do the right things, um, because it seems like they are very into continuity mm-hmm. uh, i think that's like one of the things i always find very funny is when they're like oh this character from rebels is like mentioned in you know uh rise of skywalker or something or this character from clone wars is going to be in the second season of the land of the mandalorian and i'm like cool like i love that like because that's that's what i always loved about star wars would be yeah, like time show places oh luke here's this new bad guy luke needs help uh who's he gonna call he's gonna call wedge of course because that's who you would call if there's mm-hmm. a, if you have a space battle you need one you're gonna call admiral Ackbar and you're gonna call wedge and so like the idea of like them trying to make star wars like one continuity again because it feels so segmented right now do you know what i mean yeah. like no i agree i get you and i love i love what they are doing with these shows where it seems like they're really interested in creating a new continuity and a new like cohesiveness and i really hope my cat snoring can't get picked up on this microphone i, I, just I don't hear it now. you're good okay good <laughs> she's sleeping next to my computer and i just really didn't want her snoring uh to be here sorry um but yeah i think it's really cool what they're doing and i keep hearing things and i'm like they're doing that like oh they're doing that i 
There was that rumor the other day. I don't know if you want me to talk about Star Wars rumors in this show. We 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 talk rumors. But there's that rumor the other day that they're bringing back Boba Fett, and of course they're bringing back Boba Fett because why not? He's everybody's favorite character, including mine. <laughs> Whatever, call me basic. Boba Fett, I love Boba Fett. He's he's one of the best design characters. Yeah, he's got the be- yeah. Seriously, when he shows up in the holiday special, that's the only good part of that thing. Um, and then showing I don't know, up, and, I don't, the person pouring the drink out of their head is pretty good. I think yeah, it's pretty good too. Yeah, <laughs> what? A lot of moments of the holiday special. Well, the holiday special, by the way, is that third canon I mentioned earlier, <laughs> where it's like pseudo official, but not really. Like, don't take anything here as gospel, but I guess it's part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm. It, as it seems like they are moving away from the Skywalker stuff, uh, I, I'm more excited about Star Wars as they give Star Wars to more people with more voices and more ideas. That is that excites me. Yeah, I agree. I, I would love. To, I, I would love to love Star Wars as much as I used to. Um, I think what they did with like Fallen Order was really good as like a stepping off point. Yeah. Even if like I think Cal Kestis is kind of like a bit boring as a main character. I would I, rather he's seen, definitely milk toast. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely Archie Andrews, which is fine. Like, you know, he, that's that's fine. But I I think the ideas they set up in that are good. Um, yeah. And I I don't know Star Wars is cool, and I'm happy that like I don't it's Star Wars is so like sort of toxic to talk about sometimes but i'm always happy to see people like it honestly yeah. even if i'm like kind of lukewarm on it these days no pun intended i'm really happy to see people still enjoying star wars um because these you know not everything has to be for me like mm-hmm. i see people post on facebook about their kids really loving you know um phone wars or really loving some of the other stuff they've done lately and i'm like cool awesome that's great like it's all star wars man you know what i mean like yeah it's, it's all good i mean like the, be- the best example of this um is like my dad watched uh rise of skywalker recently for the first time because he doesn't go see movies in theaters very often right and uh he uh he texted me at work while he because he was finishing it when i was at work and he just texted me he's like I-, I cried i'm like when's the last time my father's cried at a movie <laughs> but like i i know i didn't like it that much but he just it moved him completely because it was the conclusion yeah. of characters he's seen for ages ago right um right and I, every fandom, I think, is toxic, and it can be very toxic. I, I don't sure. think there's a single fandom that gets away from it. But if you if you can accept that not everything in the fandom is ever going to be for you, and right. that the reason it's not is because you are not everybody, right? Uh, I think that's a very important thing to keep in mind, and that some people just can't. Yeah, and, and even and if it's even if it's poorly written, it's someone's favorite thing, and right. someone puts their passion into it. You hope. Yeah, and I was, I mean, and I will fully admit that I used to be very much like one of these when mm-hmm. I used to be very much Mr. Toxic Star Wars fan like 10 years ago. when it was I was like, very much Mr. Toxic uh, uh, comic fan, not even like three years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you like the prequels? Like, mm, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Like, nowadays yeah. when people say they like the prequels, I, well, it's, I say that, but like two days ago in Discord, <laughs> Caitlin said that they really liked uh, Revenge of the Sith over the rest of the movies and i was stunned by that but that's just because i don't really think it's a very good movie but um Mm -hmm. not that like whatever people have different tastes that's totally cool i just when people say things like the original trilogy is boring i'm like (gasps) but whatever it's special to me that was what that was what i grew up on like i watched those movies with my dad my brother when i was a kid and, and it's like super nostalgic and super special to me and if new if the new stuff is that way for other people, then that's awesome. 
and and it and it's okay i think to have those initial reactions because like um there's someone i follow on the podcast twitter who kind of bashes one of my favorite writers for comics and i'm like but i get it i like at first i was like man that really sucks i really hate i hate reading these takes but at the same time I'm like no i get exactly where he's coming from though and he doesn't like that that storytelling but i do so that's right. fine with me for me to like it and it's just it's, sure. really, it's really interesting the idea of criticism and uh personal favorites is yeah. a really complex subject but it is super fascinating to try to wrap your head around yeah i think as long as people come into conversations about this, if as long as people want to come at me and talk to me about Star Wars in good faith, then I'm like down for it. But I think the, the sadly, this is the way that discourse is sometimes. It's just so often like bad faith, bad faith takes, and I just don't have time for it anymore. Yeah. Or I do have time for it because everyone has time for everything now, but uh, I don't have the energy for it and I'm not going to put myself into it because like, what, what am I going to gain? What are they going to gain? I'm not mm-hmm. going to convince someone that some comic book I read 20 years ago is just as good as you know whatever the thing that they're telling me is better you know what i mean like no i agree yeah now if we can get some star wars games that's what i'm into right now please give me more star wars games (laughs) let's hope for the future on that because that that's been that's been rough (laughs) yeah i am so close to i know that there are people who are working like a total conversion mod to turn XCOM into star wars because I think there has never been a concept of, uh, that more cleanly maps to Star Wars than XCOM 2's idea of like, you're a bunch of rebels slowly re- mm-hmm. uh, slowly taking out strategic targets of an evil, evil like organization. Um, and playing X- I play XCOM 2 sometimes and I'm like, God, I wish I had a Jedi here. Like, you know, or like, oh, I wish the Sith Lord would just show up in some fight or like a Sith Inquisitor and I had to fight that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. One of, the, one of these days, when, when both of us have more free time, we have to try to do some uh, Old Republic tabletop game. Oh, yeah. I would love it. I, I have uh, heard the tabletop game is good. I have yeah, played I, very I, few tabletop games. I know there's someone who's modded 5th edition of D&D to be Star Wars. So that's also interesting. That's um, Glenn, uh, thank you again for being on. Is there anything you want to plug for yourself? Kind of promote uh, yourself in any way? No, I just kind of like hang out on Twitter. I don't really have a any side projects or anything yet i just kind of hang out and uh chat with people and make memes for uppercutcrit.com <laughs> what, what's your um, twitter handle though my twitter handle is my name glenn battishill that's uh at g-l-e-n-n-b-a-t-t-i-s-h-i-l-l uh know that you are getting in to a twitter feed that is mostly about k-pop and tweeting memes about other people and uh stuff like that but yeah and um, uh, speaking of Uppercut 2, just real quick, they're doing a great sale right now, too, um, where a bunch of their Pride merch is going up. It's 15% to, um, is it, which project is it again? Um, oh, God, I can look it up. Yeah, uh, I can see. I actually have something in front of my computer, so I can't look it up, but I will. I, I can grab it real fast. Let me look. Okay. I have Twitter open right next to me. I had my iPad with a comic on it in front of my computer. I mean... It's best to have the source material right in front of you. Um, yeah. They're doing a uh, 15% of all proceeds will go to Youth Pride at Rhode Island Foundation. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you guys want to pick up some nice merch, I'll try to get a up. gamers go to prison crop top. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but again, uh, Glenn, thank you for being on the show. Jesse, thank you so much for having me. I've uh, listened to, um, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I uh, am a little behind uh, the last episode I listened to was chips episode, oh, but fine. 
I think you're doing a great job and I really enjoyed this podcast. Um, even as someone who does not really read comics that much anymore, um, I've really enjoyed just hearing people talk about comics and talk about things they love. So uh, thank you for having me on to talk about Star Wars. And um, yeah. Hey everybody, it's Jesse again, coming back in at the end to plug some of the podcast social media links and give some credits for uh, what you hear on the podcast and see on your feed. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at comicbookspod. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash comicbooksmatter. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash comicbooksmatter. Uh, only a dollar tier right now, and it just gives me your support. But soon we'll have some new content on there for you. Uh, you can reach me by email at comicbooksmatter at gmail.com if you have any questions for guests, if you have any stories about comics that impacted you, or if you want to be a guest on the show. Logo by my friend Steven. He's great. has nothing to promote, but if you see Steven, tell him he's great. And thanks for the logo. The theme is Joy in the Restaurant by David Zazetsi, and I found it on freemusicarchive.org. Thanks, everybody, and I hope you have a good rest of your weekend.